you got your Bible, go ahead and open to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. I want to talk to you today um, uh, uh, about something incredible, um, about one of my, my favorite stories. We've been in a series here at City Church called I Am. We've been looking at uh, the, the seven statements in the book of John where Jesus says, I am, and then follows that up with something. So he says, I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door for the sheep. I am the vine. You are the branches. I am the way and the truth and the life. He makes all these declarations and then follows them up with, with a picture of his character with a piece of who he is. And so we've saved what, what I think is the best for last. I've been banking this one for Easter Sunday. I've been looking forward to this for, for probably three, four months. Uh, but we're going to talk today about this statement that Jesus makes, that I am the resurrection and the life. And maybe if you're a Christian, you've probably heard that story or heard that statement from John 11, verse 25. In fact, we can look at it very quickly. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. What an awesome, awesome promise. You may or may not be familiar with when Jesus said this. You may not remember what was his reasoning, what was his purpose for making this statement when he says, I am the resurrection. Well, well, we find Jesus actually at the death of a friend, someone who is very important to him, has passed away. And Jesus stops by, and just like on Easter Sunday, Jesus didn't stay dead. Jesus' friend didn't stay dead either. His friend's name was Lazarus, and we're going to read part of the story today. We're going to pick a few verses and kind of skip around just a little bit, um, but you can find the whole story in John chapter 11. It covers almost the entirety of John 11. I'd encourage you sometime this week to read it and maybe get together as a family and sit down and, and see all of the amazing truth of what Jesus did in this miracle with Lazarus. Uh, but this morning, you'll get the highlights, and what we're going to see is we're going to look at, at three different ways that many of us die on the inside. In fact, you may even see that, you know what, I, I, I connect with one of these ways. Maybe right now I feel like I'm dead in this particular way. But we're going to focus in on, on three different characters in this account. Three people who we see in this story who are dead in different ways on the inside. John chapter 11, starting in verse 1, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So if you've ever heard the name Mary Magdalene, this is, this is that Mary. And she had a sister named Martha and a brother named Lazarus. So verse 3 says, so the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. This was bad news in the middle of a good life. Lazarus had two sisters that loved him. He had met and experienced Jesus. There were a lot of things going positive for Lazarus, and yet all of a sudden this sickness rises up. And we don't know what the sickness was. The Bible doesn't tell us the details, but we know it was fairly significant. And if we could pause for just a minute and acknowledge today that there are probably a lot of people that are celebrating some great things and great seasons in your life. Man, maybe you're celebrating Easter this week. Uh, we, we got to do some cool things for the first time. My, my son's two years old and my daughter's one, and so we colored Easter eggs for the first time last Sunday, and, and we hid those Easter eggs for the first time Friday, and the kids got to find the Easter eggs. And, and I found out that my daughter has a sweet tooth uh, because she is opening up Easter eggs and shoving candy down her throat as fast as she can get it. Uh, so, so we've been having some fun, and 
and, and my daughter's been having a lot of fun uh, this, this Easter season. We've been celebrating some things, and hopefully you've been able to celebrate. Maybe you came to our Good Friday service or got to be a part of our block party yesterday, and huge shout out to everybody who served through those two, two events, man. We had such a great time and, and blessed our city in an awesome way, but I also know chances are in this room there's some people even right now who are hurting this morning. There's some people even this morning who have maybe heard some bad news recently. Maybe you've heard some bad news about a sickness, as Lazarus did. Maybe you've heard some bad news about a sickness of somebody close to you, like Mary and Martha did. Uh, maybe you've heard some news that, that the job that you love is not going to be there anymore. Man, the, the plant is shutting down, or, or the business is downsizing, or maybe they just don't want you anymore, and you've received some bad news. Maybe a close friendship is falling apart. Maybe your dream marriage has turned into a nightmare. I know many of us probably have some challenges, some things that we're working through. Maybe the principal has called you to talk about your teenager, and it's not because they're on the honor roll, if you know what I'm talking about, right? Maybe you've had some bad news pop up in your life recently, just as Mary and Martha had, and and especially Lazarus had. Mary and Martha say to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick, And in the middle of this, Jesus says something pretty incredible. Verse 4 says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. That's a good report. And that's good news, amen? He says, this sickness will not end in death. Notice he didn't say this sickness will not cause death. Isn't that interesting that he phrased it that way? Jesus knew what he was saying. He said, it will not end in death. There there might be some death, but it's not going to end at that point. Death is not the end of this story. He said, no, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. You know that the very thing that, that feels like your worst nightmare can bring God glory if you'll partner with him, if you'll trust him, if you'll believe in him, if you'll allow him to work in that situation, that very thing that, that seems so devastating, that job loss, that sickness, that, that, that relationship that feels like it's falling apart. If you'll trust him and place your faith in him, God can do something incredible in it. Now, we're going to come back to that verse 4 later on, but, but I'm going to summarize for you very quickly verses 5 through 13 because we're going to skip down to verse 14 in a second. So basically what happens is, is everybody makes an assumption. Jesus is going to come, and he's going to heal Lazarus, right? Jesus loves Lazarus. He's, Jesus is out healing random people, people he's never met before, people on the streets who come up to him, and they've got leprosy, and they're blind, and they're paralyzed, and, and everywhere Jesus goes, somebody's getting healed, So if Jesus is healing all these random people, if Jesus is healing all these people he's never even met before, of course Jesus is going to come and heal his friend. Of course Jesus is going to take care of Lazarus. Everybody just assumes this is how it's going to play out. We've seen this story before, Jesus. We've seen you step in in the middle of sickness and and spare someone's life, and so we know how this is going to go down. But what does Jesus do? He does nothing. For two days, Jesus just hangs out. Everybody else is freaking out, and Jesus is hanging out. I think that's kind of the picture, right, of when they were on the boat, and there's a storm raging, and, and everybody's going crazy thinking, Jesus, we're about to drown. The ship's about to wreck, and Jesus is sleeping, right? Jesus just has this peace that everything's going to be okay. And around him, everybody's freaking out. Everybody's got hysteria, but Jesus knows exactly how this story is going to end. And, and so they say, the disciples say to Jesus, man, I... It's time for us to go, but, but if we do go, Jesus, everybody there is going to try and kill you. You see, Judea was the, the southern region of Israel. It's where the capital Jerusalem was, and, and Jesus was from Galilee, the northern region. 
And there in Jerusalem, where, that's where the headquarters of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin were. And they had, they had begun to plot to kill Jesus. They wanted to take him out. And the disciples knew this. They said, if you go there, because Bethany was just two miles from Jerusalem. They said, if you go back to Judea, if you go to Bethany to heal Lazarus, they're going to take you out. And Jesus says, no, he doesn't respond to that at all. He just says, look, Lazarus has fallen asleep. We need to go wake him up. Now, Jesus wasn't just saying that Lazarus is taking a nap. He wasn't saying that, that Lazarus has uh, taken some sleeping pills and he's just trying to sleep off this sickness. He was using a metaphor to say that Lazarus's physical life has ended. His, his body has died. And, and here's what I want to do this morning. Like I said, I want to look at three different characters in the story and, and show you three ways that they were dead on the inside. So the first person in the story we're going to look at is one of Jesus' disciples. Then we're going to look at each of the two sisters. So we're going to start with Thomas. Are you taking notes? You can put this first one down. Point number one is this. Thomas was dead in his doubts. Thomas was dead in his doubts. Now, if you know anything about Thomas, Thomas has an adjective most of the time in front of his name. What do we call him? Doubting Thomas, right? The Bible doesn't actually call him Doubting Thomas. We just call him Doubting Thomas. The Bible actually calls him Thomas called Didymus. Didymus. Now, that might sound like a bad name for a rapper, but what it actually literally meant was, was Greek. In the Greek was twin. Thomas the twin. So Thomas had a twin. Um, some theories are actually that Thomas actually looked a lot like Jesus, and so it was kind of the inside joke among the disciples. We don't really know, but, but we know that he, they often called him Didymus. They called him the twin. But Thomas, to us, is often known for his doubt because every time we see Thomas, he's speaking out doubt, right? I, here's what I think. I think Thomas was the real practical disciple. I, I, I think Thomas lived at a very basic physical level. And so every time something happened, he's looking at the issue, man. That we got 5,000 people to feed, and we got a couple fish and some loaves. This doesn't add up, Jesus. This doesn't work, right? Like he, he, He's always speaking to the practical nature of what's going around. And so in the process, he... He speaks out things that question Jesus' power, question what Jesus can actually do so we know him for his doubt. So we pick up the story in verse 14. It says, so then Jesus told them, them being the disciples plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And then Thomas, also called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go. So man, it sounds like, a, man, he's in, he's loyal, he's with Jesus. Why? That we may die with him too. Man, not only was Thomas the doubter, he, he might have been a little bit of like the Debbie Downer, right? He's going to die and we're going to die too. Yay! Like some sarcasm coming out of Thomas. But, but he has some doubt about, Jesus, why, why are you taking us here? What's going to happen to us? Jesus, I love you and I believe in you. But man, there's a lot of people that hate you, that want to take your life. And, and I'm afraid if I'm with you, they're going to take my life too. I'm going to die. If we go to Judea, so Thomas is dead in his doubts. Thomas is, is struggling with his negativity. And I'm, I'm curious on this Easter weekend, how many of you would be honest enough to say, I've had some spiritual doubts in my life? I have. Most of us. The rest of you can, who didn't raise your hand, you can go polish off your halo. I'll talk to the real people. Uh, the rest of us have had some spiritual doubts at some point in time, right? We've had a, a time where we wrestled with, man, is, is this stuff even real? Is God even there? We've had some times where we've, we've wondered, man, can I, can I really trust what the Bible has to say? Is God really for my good? Maybe it was a sickness, like Lazarus' sickness, that caused you to question that. Maybe it was a, a class your freshman year of college when a professor started challenging your faith and said, no, this stuff didn't really happen. And you started to wonder, man, is this, 
Was I raised in this? Was I lied to my whole life? Are my parents deceived? You start to wrestle with some doubt. And here's what I believe. I don't think Jesus is scared of our doubts. I think Jesus wants to meet us right there in the middle of our doubt. He wants to speak truth into our doubt. We talked a couple weeks ago how has the way and the truth and the life. He wants us to see the truth and to walk in faith, but I don't think he's scared of our doubts. He walked around for three years with Thomas, doubting everywhere they went, right? He's not intimidated by our doubt. Jesus wants us to see who he really is. Many times we, we wrestle with those doubts and we wonder, how can this all-powerful God allow this tragedy to happen? How come this person who I love so much was taken out of my life at, at such a young age? And, and we question what God is up to. And suddenly we're like Thomas, and there's something on the inside. I've seen so many people like this that, that the inside is dead because something happened. Man, my, my father passed away when I was a kid, and I just can't get past that. Man, my parents split up, and I just don't understand. Or I was raped or molested or abused and, and legitimate pain. Awful pain, real, real victimization has gone on, and, and something dies on the inside, and people begin to question and to doubt God and Jesus. Second person we see here is Mary, the first sister, the most famous of the two sisters. See, Mary was also dead. She was dead in her discouragement. Maybe you are too. Maybe you don't see anything good happening in your life. Maybe it feels like, like, like things have, have stopped. Maybe it feels like things are, have gone too far for there to be any joy, for there to be any peace. We see this in verse 20 with Mary. It said, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. You ever been so discouraged or so depressed that, that it didn't even matter if one of your best friends showed up, you're just still staying in the bed? Man, it just hurts too bad. I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want to see nobody. I don't want to deal with nobody right now. I'm just got to work through this. It just hurts so bad. So, so Martha hears Jesus is there, and she gets up, and she goes to meet with him. But Mary, I, I can't even do it. I just can't even. She was dead in her discouragement. Her brother had been lost, and, and now she was wondering, is Jesus even really who I thought he was? Is he really the one who loves us the way that he said he did? Everything is discouraged in her life. Maybe, maybe you've been in that place where you say, man, I just can't change this situation that I'm going through. I'm always going to feel alone. I'm always going to feel depressed. I'm always going to be stuck in this dead-end job. And you're dead in your discouragement. Discouragement can paralyze us, can't it? Man, we, we, we can get discouraged and just sit there and quit moving forward. Quit seizing the new opportunities that God came to give us today so the good news is you're not completely in Mary's shoes because because you got up and you came to church today maybe you got up because you bought a new outfit and you felt like I gotta wear it I bought it for Easter so I'm going to church even though I don't feel like seeing nobody hopefully they don't talk to me but I'm wearing my nice clothes right like you for some reason you got up you push through that discouragement today. Maybe nobody even knows. Maybe everything looks good. Maybe, maybe you're that spiritual person that if I came to you today and I asked you, man, how are you doing today? You'd be like, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored, Pastor. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know those people that, man, every time you ask them something, you can't get a real answer. You get the spiritual answer. Man, and, and, and sometimes we put on that face. We put on that front. But we're dying inside. We're discouraged. And you see, I think that God placed other believers in our life to encourage us. But we got to let people in. We got to be vulnerable. We got to be real with what we're going through in order for that to happen. And so Mary just said, I'm not even going to go talk to nobody. I'm staying right where I'm at. So some of us are like Thomas, dead in our doubts. Others are like Mary, dead in our discouragement. And that brings us to our third person. Perhaps you can relate to her. Martha, number three, was dead in the delay. 
She was dead in the waiting. Jesus just took too long. It wasn't that Jesus didn't show up. He did show up. He just didn't show up when I needed him. He just didn't show up when I called. He didn't show up when I first reached out to him. And when I really needed him to be there, Jesus wasn't there. Verse 17 said, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. How does that matter? Well, it it matters for a couple of reasons. One, it tells us that even if Jesus had left when he first found out, Lazarus was going to pass away anyway before they got there. The journey was too long because he only waited two days, and now Lazarus had been dead four days. But it also matters in this way because there was a a myth, kind of an urban legend at that point in time in Israel. This wasn't biblical. It wasn't godly. But it was something that they believed that, that when somebody died, the spirit would hang out for three days. So the body would be put down in the grave, but the spirit would kind of be hovering, hanging around just in case something happened, just in case God decided, you know what, why don't you hop back in there? The spirit would be there. And so for three days, the spirit was hanging out. But on the fourth day, the spirit was gone. How many Princess Bride fans we got? Like, you know, she's not just dead, like not just kind of dead, really dead, fully dead, all the way dead, 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 right? That's what they believed. They thought, well, for the first three days, you're kind of dead. You're mostly dead. But on day four, you're dead. It's over. It's done. And so Lazarus had been dead for four days. And so Jesus came not just to confront his death, he came to confront their false beliefs. He came to say, you know what, you, you, you guys came up with this idea, and it's not the truth. I want you to know if I raise somebody back to life, it don't matter how long they've been dead. You can never be so dead. You can never be so gone that I can't bring you back. And so Jesus shows up, and in Martha's mind, her brother wasn't just dead. He was dead, dead, dead. And so I, I don't know if you've ever heard this story or read this story in the King James. We don't use the King James a lot, but there's one thing in the King James that I love. Martha, when, when speaking about her brother and that he's been dead for four days, she says, he stinketh. Right? Uh, how many of you know stinketh? That's, that's a stank. That, 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 that's more than just like some B.O. because you've been out in the sun that day. Like when you stinketh, you stank. Right? Stink, stank, stunk like the Grinch. Right? Like you stink. It's bad when you stinketh. And so she said, but Jesus, he stinketh. I think that's the funniest thing to me. Like, he's going to raise my brother from the dead, and the thing I'm most worried about is, man, it's going to be rough. (laughs) That's real right there. Martha just straight up says what's on her mind. He's going to stink. So verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. She was dead in the delay. Jesus, if you would have just shown up sooner, I know you could have healed him. I know you could have prevented this. You could have prevented my pain. You could have prevented Mary's pain. You could have kept Lazarus alive. Why? You just see this hidden question. She doesn't come out and say it, but she's asking. She's implying, Jesus, why would you let me go through this? And we can all identify with that, can't we? We've all been dead in the delay at some point in time. Man, I've seen so many great young Christian girls and even great young Christian guys. They're like, man, I'm serving Jesus, and I'm just waiting to meet the right person and get married. In fact, I talked to somebody this week, and and, and this person said, man, I just feel like all my friends are married. And, and man, I'm not. I haven't found that person. And what's wrong with me? And it's like, man, you're 19, calm down. No, he's a little bit older than that, but not much. Uh, and I, but I'm like, man, I didn't get married until I was 28. You don't have to put a timeline on it. Not that I'm like the model and you need to do what I did, but 
But man, sometimes it's going to be worth waiting for. Sometimes you just got to trust God that his timing is better than all your friends' timing. And, and unfortunately, I'm old enough to know now a lot of the people who got married a lot younger than me didn't stay married. And it's a whole lot better to find the right person than to just find a person that you can hold on to. And so, man, we, we die in the delay. Um, I, I've seen married couples, they're praying for a baby and they can't conceive. It's like, God, why? What, what, what's going on? What's wrong with us? It feels like all of our friends, all they got to do is look at each other and they have triplets. And, and, and we're doing everything we can and we can't take that step. God, why? 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 I know a lot of people that are, that are praying and believing God that, that he could actually heal somebody close to them. And it's been years and it hasn't happened. And it's like, God, I know you're a healer. God, I know you still heal. Why is this situation not changed? Why have you not moved? I, I know people that are praying and believing God for, for a loved one to come to Jesus. I'm one of those people. Praying and believing God for my brothers and my sister to give their life over to Jesus. I've been praying and believing God for a long time. You know, sometimes I get to the point where I'm just like, well, it's in God's hands, and I'm just not going to pray about it anymore. I go through seasons where I'm just like, that just, they're on their own. It's their own fault by now. They've had their chances, and then Jesus convicts me, and i got to repent and get right with them, and, and then I start praying for them again, and I start staying in the gap. But, man, sometimes you die in the delay, don't we? Man, sometimes it's just, it's just like, man, it's just taking so long. Here's the good news that we always got to remember. God's delays are not God's denials. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it can't happen or it won't happen. Doesn't mean God's not still up to something. Doesn't mean he doesn't still have a plan. Doesn't mean that he isn't going to do something great through you. That thing that you so badly want to see in your life. And, and this week, just for fun, I, I went a little old school in honor of Easter. Usually when I'm preparing for a message, I, I do it on the computer and I kind of research on the computer. And so this week I went and, and, and I read out of my, my physical Bible. Got a bunch of them that I don't use a whole lot because I usually mostly do it on the computer. But I broke out the old school Bible. And, and it was interesting because as I was reading through John chapter 11, all the bad stuff happens on, on page 1005. Man, Lazarus gets sick on 1005, Lazarus dies on 1005, Mary is too depressed to even get out and see Jesus on 1005, Martha's discouraged on 1005, and it's, and it's amazing because on this Bible you just flip the page and on 1006 everything begins to change. Um, and so this is what happens on verse 22, the first one on, on page 1006 in this NIV Bible said, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. See, the whole story turns on Martha's declaration of faith. First, she declares, Jesus, I'm hurt. If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. I know he'd still be alive. But then she says, but I know that even now. Everybody say even now. What an awesome phrase. I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. She looks at Jesus and says, even now this can happen. Some of us, I think, we, we get stuck on page 1005. We get stuck in the discouragement. We get stuck in the doubt. We get stuck in the delay. And God's just saying, let's just go ahead and flip that page because even now I can still do something in your doubt. 
Even now, I can still do something in your discouragement. Even now, I can still do something in your delay. Let's go ahead and flip that page over. Even now, I have a plan for you. Even now, God's joy can come in and begin to build a new faith for you. Even now, when you feel like you're all alone and nobody's there, the presence of the Holy Spirit can come and fill you and let you know that you are never, ever, ever alone. Even now, God can reach down into your jacked-up family, your messed-up, dysfunctional home, and begin to turn things around. Even now, when everything looks impossible, Jesus says all things are possible for them that believe even now. And that's just what Jesus did. Verse 23 says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. So she says, even now you can do something. Jesus says, your brother will rise again. But Martha doesn't get it exactly. She says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now, let me, let me pause right here real, real quick, because I, I think there's something that a lot of us can probably identify with here. Martha sees Jesus as representative of the final hope. There's a, there's a resurrection, and we're going to be resurrected. We're going to spend eternity with God. Man, we, we've got that coming. I know Lazarus is going to be okay in the future. How many Christians do you know like this, man, that, that Jesus is just, man, he's keeping me from going to hell? I'm a Christian because I can go to heaven. And, and let, don't get me wrong, that's the most important thing about our faith. It's a great, great thing about our faith. But Jesus didn't just come for your future resurrection. Jesus came for you even now. Even now, he came to give you life. Even now, he came to give you encouragement. Even now, he came to execute a plan in your life. Jesus didn't just come so that one day you can go to heaven. He came, just like Travis said, so that you can have abundant life today, even now. And so Jesus looks at Martha, and he says, you're missing it, girl. You see me just as a hope for something one day, but I came to do something today. And he says this in verse 25. It says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And then he says, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Now, does that mean that you'll never physically pass away? No. Right? He's not promising that. What's he promising? He's promising that even when your body dies... You ain't dead. Absent from the body and present with the Lord. In that moment, there is no death for you. That's why I I hate doing funerals because people always want funerals to be so somber. And I get it, man. It's hard to say goodbye. But a funeral of a Christian is a celebration of life. It's a celebration that we're in a better place. It's a great thing. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Notice he didn't say, I am able to resurrect. Notice he didn't say, I can resurrect Lazarus. He didn't even say, I have the power of resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection. Why is that significant? Because anytime that Jesus walks into the room, anytime that Jesus steps into your life, the resurrection steps into your life. That stuff that used to be dead doesn't have to stay dead anymore when the resurrection enters the room. It doesn't have to stay dead in our doubts. We don't have to stay dead in our discouragement. We don't have to stay dead in the delay. Why? Because Jesus is the resurrection and oh by the way, he's alive and if he's alive, the resurrection is alive in us. See, the resurrection is not just an event. The resurrection is a person named Jesus. Resurrection is not just what Jesus does. Resurrection is who Jesus is. He is the resurrection. And he's the life. So fast forward in the story. The resurrection that Jesus is about to give to Lazarus takes place. As Jesus looks at the tomb where Lazarus is dead, Lazarus stinketh. 
laying there in the tomb, right? In verse 43, Jesus had already told the disciples, go ahead and roll the stone away. In verse 43, it says, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I learned this story in the King James. And it said in the King James, it said, Lazarus, come forth. I love that, that phrasing. He said, come out, come forth. Get your body up. You ain't dead no more. Get back in that body and come here. In verse 44, it said, the dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And up from death, rises Lazarus. Up from dead comes Thomas's doubt. Up from, from the death comes Mary's discouragement and Martha's delay. You see, in one single act of resurrection, Jesus brought all that stuff back to life. He didn't just bring Lazarus back to life. Man, he brought faith into Thomas's doubt. He brought encouragement into Mary's discouragement. And he said, Martha, there is no more delay because I am the resurrection. And I am the life. Guys, we're going to do something a little bit different today. We're, we're going to take a couple minutes and we're going to worship Jesus. And then we're going to come back and we're going to take this to the, the other resurrection. We're going to take five minutes after we sing and connect Lazarus coming back to life to Jesus coming back to life. Would you stand and worship with us? We're going to sing to the Jesus, to the king who has overcome.